Welcome to the Two Peds in a Pod podcast. It's a new year and we are some new voices coming to the Two Peds podcast. It's fantastic to be here and we're very grateful to Ian for giving over the seat of hosting uh, this for uh, myself and uh, my colleague uh, Adriel to uh, present this podcast to you. So my name's Ashley Reese. I'm a paediatrician and a medical educator. I work at Watford General Hospital, part of West Hertfordshire Hospital's NHS Trust. And today I'm delighted to be uh, co-presenting this podcast about podcasts with Adriel Chen. Hi, my name is Adriel. I am an FY2 in the Glasgow Royal Infirmary in Scotland. I am interested in paediatrics as well as medical education. And once again, just as Ashley said, delighted to be involved in the podcast. Also delighted that Ian is opening it up for further discussion. And yes, this is a podcast about podcasts, which is quite meta, but also quite, as as I hope you will uh, understand, quite important to talk about and consider. Absolutely. It's um, one of those, I think Doctor Who fans might understand the ontological paradox where there's something within something. Uh, but um, the conversations we've been having at the two peds in a pod headquarters are around continuing professional development and trying to work out what the value is in podcasts and such media for continuing education. And uh, Adriel and I uh, came up with an idea to try and put that down into a podcast and work out what the educational value is about podcasts, trying to look at some of the published evidence out there and thinking about some educational theories, as well as what it means to us to listen to podcasts and to use them in our uh, continuing education. Yeah, so I think as a millennial, as someone who is young, as someone who has a mobile device, a, a podcast is something that you listen to that becomes a part of your daily routine. And that does involve the question, do do I use this for education? Can I use this for education? And does it have educational value? And if it does have educational value, can this be considered as part of CPD, as part of my professional development as a doctor to improve myself to improve my clinical practice we're all learning obviously and uh, some of us are more obvious learners the, those um, in in medical training as undergraduates or, or even in postgraduate medical training and there's been this concept for a number of years about about continuing professional development and uh, one of the mantras i guess that's come out uh, over time for this cpd as it's known is uh, the notion of cpd points and how you accrue points and how many points you get and, in fact, what you get points for. And um, it's quite interesting if you look into it because uh, many of my uh, colleagues involved in education, uh, anyone else uh, involved in uh, learners and, and, and in the learning environment would understand that points actually don't make prizes, um, despite what some of the game show hosts might tell you. And I think for me, it's uh, far much more about uh, what this episode of learning means to you. And rather than say I got three, four, eight or 10 points for this activity, uh, a reflective note, something in your portfolio saying, look, I listened to this podcast. It was really interesting. And uh, these are my three takeaway points. Uh, I think that is far more value than saying I got three points for that activity. So um, that's the frame that I come to uh, this with and that's how I think about certainly my continuing professional development 
Uh, the points may well be a shorthand for saying that you actually did an activity, uh, but I think it's uh, far more richer to try and say uh, what you got out of the activity. Don't you think that means a whole lot more? So just just to summarize here, Ashley, it's what you're saying um, that points are good, but points reflect the purpose of the activity, and it might it might actually be an arbitrary value placed on a learning or a educational activity that you're doing you know in this case in this discussion a podcast but sometimes it could be uh, a lecture from a college it could be a course that you've gone to so what actually is um continuous professional development in your opinion as a medical educator actually well cpd is continuing professional development and this is defined as any learning outside of undergraduate or postgraduate training programs that help you maintain and improve your performance, covering knowledge, skills and attitudes across all areas of professional practice. Its main aim, of course, is to ensure that the quality of care you give is high and that you keep yourself up to date, maintaining educational training learning activities in your chosen area. So there are many activities that may come under this uh, umbrella, for example, Maybe that you uh, read a journal in your chosen specialty, you may attend uh, a conference in your uh, specialist area, um, or you may uh, dip into various other education training resources, uh, local ones uh, put on uh, at your trust, uh, or any others that you may find on the internet, including, of course, uh, listening to podcasts. So it's very personally tailored to what you need. It's mainly uh, for uh, anyone not in a training program and more traditionally thought of for people having finished their uh, training. So maybe uh, a post-CCT uh, or uh, in a, a non-training program. And it helps you develop yourself in a field. As adult learners, of course, we're motivated to keep ourselves up to date. But, um, of course, it's about having a, a contract uh, to uh, learn, maintain standards and keep yourself up to date and competent in all the work that you do. So it's that commitment to uh, continue to learn and progress and develop. And I think that in your foundation training, you will have generic competencies and you'll need to yep. try those by the end of your uh, two foundation years. For those of us post completion of training, you know, we're also on a learning journey every day and have activities that uh, we need to do to keep up our training either within our desired uh, specialty area um, or uh, even other aspects of our uh, education and training. And, um, you know, training is not linear, so it may be that you fall into something or have an interest in something that takes you down a different route. We've talked about CPDs, but what actually is this point system that we see in you know, various conferences and advertisements for events? Well, I always like to go back to the rules of the game and back back to source. Uh, and of course, as the accrediting professional body, the General Medical Council, um, I went to see what they said about uh, CPD points. And actually, they don't endorse or accredit particular CPD activities. And they don't give for continue, continuing professional development points or credits for learning activities. And neither do they, do they hold a list of uh, CPD providers. So um, it would seem that points have evolved as a shorthand for saying that you did this course or attended this activity. And so I guess it comes back to um, what we've been saying around what uh, the activity, the educational activity means for you personally and how it um, is factored into your learning, training, education. 
some of the uh, Royal Colleges use a, an, an accumulation of points, a total of points, a number of points in every year as, a, as, a, as I say, a shorthand way of saying that you've done certain uh, CPD type acti- activities. And so you could say, oh, I've got uh, 20 points this year, which implies that you've been keeping your CPD up to date. Uh, but of course, that doesn't necessarily translate to you having learnt anything useful. It necessarily translate to you having furthered yourself uh, in training or doesn't necessarily uh, equal magically to new knowledge gained. That comes down to you and what you got out of uh, the course or activity you were doing. I should just say finally on this point, uh, one of the best certificates that I was given for uh, attending uh, uh, a course uh, was one that uh, had obviously all the bits on the front saying, you know, um, you attended this course on such and such a date, uh, confirmation of attendance. But it had a, a big section at the bottom that said, please write down uh, your top take home messages from this, mm-hmm. uh, this, this, this course or this day. And I think that's a really excellent way of uh, framing uh, your uh, CPD activities in that reflective way that means a whole lot more to you as an individual. And leading on from that, given given that there is a requirement to continue professional development and to improve and to keep up to date, how does a podcast or podcasts factor into this this whole world of professional development? So podcasts are one of the tools that you can use to try and evidence that you're keeping up to date. So if you're listening to a podcast in your chosen specialty area or area of interest or uh, in a particular topic uh, area that you uh, feel that you need updating on or uh, something that you don't uh, know much about, then this is uh, one of the ways in which you can demonstrate that. So it may be a podcast, it may be a journal article, it may be going on a course, it may be attending a conference. It may be uh, looking up a paper, it may be writing an article. There are many ways that you can demonstrate that you're keeping up to date and listening to a podcast or even being involved in a podcast may be uh, one of the ways in which you can demonstrate that. I guess we're getting at a a situation where we're discussing CPD points as a way to quantify your learning. But then that doesn't quite address all the time, most of the time, sometimes. It doesn't address the quality of the training that you're getting. Is that right? Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that uh, we often talk about quality and quantity uh, in, in medical education and uh, certainly in education research. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a, a, an excellent way of, of framing it. But it comes down to what, what, what it means to actually do an activity and what you get out of it. So in terms of uh, podcasts, I'd be interested to know what your view is on uh, podcasts as an education, as a learning tool, and how you use them to further your education. That's a good. That's a good question. I think to to get into that, we might have to go backtrack a little bit into why podcasts in the first place. So I started listening to podcasts as a way to break up a, a sort of daily routine when I was commuting to work. You know, I listened to a podcast, and it was initially things like the news or sort of current affairs and breakdowns of things. And then I thought to myself, "Hang on, if there's a podcast for everything, surely there's a podcast for medical education or something that I could." I could learn, especially as an FY1, when I was going to work and having to deal with things that you would have thought medical school would prepare you for, and it does prepare you for, but not as adequately as you would have liked. And so I turned to podcasts and found this incredible world of you know educationalists and physicians who were more than willing to share not just the 
hard side of medicine, you know, the actual what do we do with a patient with sepsis, but also the softer side of medicine. So things like how do we reflect on what has happened to make us better clinicians? And I found that really helpful. And then I stumbled upon um, pediatric podcasts. And that was another, another thing. So I think in a nutshell, to answer your question, actually, a, a podcast is useful because it's something that you listen to and that that is something that you can think about and reflect on. And it's a bit more engaging than, suppose, to say, reading a book. It's something I can listen to while I'm commuting and walking. And it's in a medium that is easily accessible. And I think accessibility is a huge factor in uh, choosing podcasts as a preferred medium for medical education and to, to stay up to date and informed and educated about things. So I think you encapsulate all of the um, the, the great value that this uh, medium brings to uh, learning and education. It um, it creates a, a different modality uh, and one that yeah. um, maybe as medics we're sort of more attuned into because we probably, by definition, multitaskers. And uh, so if you can um, listen to something that's absorbing, engaging, that's short enough, that's interesting enough while you're doing another activity that doesn't require absolutely all of your attention, the accessibility in terms of uh, on uh, devices, uh, certainly over the last sort of 10 to 15 years has just increased immeasurably. And so it's become a very widely available modality for people to dip into. Yeah, I don't think it's a coincidence that this growing um, emphasis and podcast culture, as we can call it, uh, coincides with a rise in the idea of a work-life balance and the fact that we are expected to have a life, and we should definitely have a life outside of work, where we have hobbies, we have passions, we run, we um, do sports, we cook. And unfortunately, this has also coincided with the rise of you know, this this demand for us to be multi hyphenate individuals that, you know, we are doctors slash visit slash academics, doctors slash educationalists. And you know, it it then boils down to how do I maximize the time that I have, but in a way that doesn't exhaust me. And I think for myself, for example, I sometimes listen to a podcast while I go for a run. And running something I do enjoy, but I also enjoy listening to podcasts. And it's two things that you know are almost synergistic in a sense that as I run, I can listen to something and think about it and ruminate as I exercise. Um, so it's not just convenient and accessible, but it's in some ways you could argue that podcasts are effective, uh, both time-wise as well as an educational tool. So I think that's uh, really important. There are two things I'll pick up on there. Mm-hmm. We're uh, recording this at the beginning of 2021 uh, amid uh, the second wave of a global pandemic. And uh, uh, throughout the last uh, certainly uh, uh, nine to 12 months, uh, the uh, way that we access education and learning and the way that that has been delivered has changed immeasurably in light of the uh, uh, restrictions uh, amid the coronavirus pandemic. So um, here is a modality that um, has been around for a while, but uh, almost certainly in that time uh, is being used in a new and um, valuable way to uh, plug the gap possibly for some of the face-to-face teaching that cannot happen. 
the other thing that that, that you said uh, rightly to pick up on was this um, sort of community that, that that's created uh, by you joining somebody and and them talking to you or at least you feeling that uh, you know it, it's just you and uh, and the um, the the those involved in the podcast in that moment uh, and you can take it uh, pick it up and, and use it whenever you want um, and if you look at some of the educational theories that uh, help. Uh, support learning uh, you'll find uh, the podcast actually uh, maps to quite a number of those uh, one of which of course would be the communities of practice uh, described by Laven Wenger uh, whereby you create this uh, community that has something in common uh, and in this case it would be the need to sort of uh, learn and to develop themselves uh, and uh, you uh, create out there a group uh, with these common aims and common goals uh, that the podcast uh, is there to uh, to meet those. And uh, of course, if it's uh, uh, well regarded and well executed and uh, repeated, uh, then the, 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 the comes investment into that uh, and then the community grows and develops uh, and with the uh, longer time that you're involved in it and the more that you invest in it, the more that you're likely to get out of it. That's actually really interesting. So just to dive in a bit deeper into what you said there, Ashley. So you're talking about creating a community of learners based on an educational theory by, um, who was it again? Laven Wenger had described the uh, original communities of practice. Um, and they did that um, looking at various professionals and various uh, apprenticeship professions, which is interesting when you think about how medicine sort of certainly used to be and in respect still is. Uh, the, the 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 way that you uh, used to learn medicine was by being around and putting in the hours and learning by watching and learning by doing, um, and he, here we are in a situation where uh, you're creating a sort of almost virtual community in which to share ideas and have um, information explained to you in an accessible uh, and easily digestible way. That's a theory that that works, and I think so. In preparing for this episode, we talked about. A couple of other educational theories that could be applied as a lens to look at podcasts and examine the educational value of a podcast. So we've talked about one of them. Um, what was the other one? There are a few research papers uh, in the literature looking at podcasts. Interestingly, so some of them are, are fairly recent, so 2017 from the Korean Journal of Medical Education. Cho and colleagues uh, reviewed the literature uh, around podcasting and they framed their assessment of podcasts using uh, a model uh, that is often used to assess educational outcomes, which is called Kirkpatrick's uh, outcome hierarchy, uh, which looks at four levels, uh, reaction uh, to the uh, education event, including satisfaction and preference, uh, learning involved, particularly knowledge, skills and attitudes, behavior, so the impact on um, how it might change your practice, and then um, uh, the fourth level results, which they suggest uh, impact on patients. Now, um, while those levels are quite rigid, uh, it can be difficult to fit um, uh, every education activity into uh, each of those levels or, or outcomes into each of those levels. Uh, but they had a good go. Uh, and certainly there's uh, quite a lot of uh, uh, evidence out there uh, for the reaction and the learning, but not so much evidencing change in behaviour and outcome on impact on patients. So it seems like the first two levels in that hierarchy are met quite well. So we can say that there's certainly a, a, a sort of re reaction 
uh, of satisfaction and enjoyment in being involved in listening to a podcast. Um, and there are some papers suggesting there are uh, positive learning outcomes to be derived as well. Um, so that's, if that's a reason to keep listening to two peds in a pod, there you have it. I mean, that is a really good point because I think, you know, on a very deeply personal and intrinsic level, I think almost as, as you know, you're a pediatrician and children learn and we learn as adults. And there's this intrinsic idea that learning has to be fun and that learning isn't always fun, but it's a lot better if it's fun. And if people are fulfilling, you know, the first and second hierarchical level of, of learning, in which they find the activity enjoyable and fun. It, it does signal that there is something to get out of it. There's something that people will return and gravitate to and something that is fun. And I guess in some ways, it's really hard to prove that a podcast or a lecture has affected your clinical practice. Um, it's a lot easier to do that with a clinical guideline, for example. But I think it might be harder to say, this is the lecture I listened to, which changed my clinical practice. Or this is the textbook I read, which made me have an entirely different approach to how I treat seizures. Yeah, so I think that's right. And um, it, it's very difficult to pinpoint one particular um piece of uh, knowledge or piece of advice or um, it may be even a culture change but th there's also an enjoyment factor isn't there in being able to access learning and education in a in a more informal way th th there are a number of caveats aren't there you know there's, there's there's often disclaimers you know some of the podcasts put out by uh, some of the um, uh, more, more official institutions particularly in America and Canada will have uh, very uh, specific disclaimers about using any information contained in the podcast uh, to treat uh, patients and you should always do so uh, using your uh, cl clinical initiative and uh, local guidelines and guidance. Um, but uh, uh, underlying all of this, I think, is the is the movement that is known as FOAM or FOMED, which is the free open access medical education. Um, and I, I think that some of the best resources uh, are out there and accessible to anyone and everyone. I think it's also fair to say, isn't it, that um, while we're talking about podcasts and we've uh, mentioned this uh, podcast and uh, the, the, the great work that uh, Ian has done over time uh, creating the movement that is two peds in a, in a pod podcast, uh, there are many other podcasts, as you mentioned at the beginning, uh, uh, medical education podcasts and specific pediatric podcasts. And, and therein, I think, again, it, it, you know, you can select the, the style, the, the, the topic, uh, the, 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 the um, version that works for you. Um, and it may be you have a, 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 a bit like textbooks, really, as an undergraduate, you have a, a, a family of, of different uh, books to dip into. You might have an array of different mm -hmm. podcasts to choose from, uh, things that do different things mm -hmm. for you at different times, um, depending on what the topic is and what your needs are. I guess you know, leaning into the book analogy, the, the great thing about podcasts, and you know, as someone who listens to several pediatric med medical education podcasts, I openly admit I don't listen to every episode. I pick and choose and I dip and dive into various podcasts and various episodes of a podcast like you would with a book chapter. Hopefully not a novel, but with a textbook, certainly. And, for example, 
if I was to say interested in CTs and children, I'd just listen to a, to a podcast on CT heads and children and learn from that. And I think that provides a more accurate way of of meeting your educational needs. And I could argue that it would be you know, convenient and accurate because I could then choose the episode of the podcast that would meet what I need to learn. But not only that, but going back to what you said there about um, about the numerous other medical podcasts out there and, and disclaimers, I I think it's worth mentioning that it's always important to to follow the local guidelines. But also, they some of the podcasts I've listened to have have gone a step further than that and and discussed why and how the guidelines came about and you know are these really what we should be thinking about. Uh, I, re- I listened to a podcast episode recently, which is on um, going back to CT heads in children. And, you know, the discussion was also centered around the fact that it was a guideline. And I, I thought that was really interesting to hear experienced clinicians discussing uh, a guideline versus clinical practice, which is a debate which doesn't get enough attention than it might do in a conference or in a tutorial, for example. Yes, I think that's a really good point, isn't it? And it's 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 an opportunity to probe and discuss and question and you know query, um, and also to get some background on 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 some a paper somebody's published or a guideline somebody's written. Um, and I I, I would um, I would suggest that sometimes you know as well as the hard fact of the guideline, having a bit of uh, background information. Uh, putting it into context and and hearing the people that went about a piece of research and how they did it and what went well and, and what challenges they had um it really does make that that piece of work that guideline that paper much more to me anyway three dimensional you know it brings it much more to life uh, and it may help remember remember some of those take home points as way uh, away which um you know sort of brings us a bit full circle circle really because uh it's it's important to to uh, document uh, for your own learning what you get out of an episode of education. So if that's listening to a podcast, putting it in, in your portfolio as a reflective note is a really good way of uh, documenting uh, mm-hmm. that episode of learning and um, referencing it. Um, that would be uh, a really positive intervention or positive outcome anyway uh, of listening to the podcast and uh, for me means far more uh, than saying I got two credits or three points for that and you know on the subject of of take-home points and and just sort of coming full circle Ashley as someone who's heavily involved in medical education who's you know been there since I guess the birth of podcasts with the iPod and whatnot where do you think medical education podcasts um, what direction do you think we're headed to in the future? So what I'd like to see for the future, well, I think that uh, more of the same, really. There's clearly going to be, uh, if not already, an explosion in uh, material and in types of podcasts being produced. The way the podcast is, uh, is structured and formulated, so whether it's one, two or more people involved in that, uh, I think uh, different styles uh, is useful, as are different modalities and different topic areas, probing and exploring uh, rather than just uh, giving uh, factual information. 
time is another issue. Not sure exactly what the ideal length of a podcast should be, but somewhere between 20 and 30 minutes. And I would expect there'd be much more synergy between the uh, social media outlets and the actual podcast recordings. So Two Peds has its own Twitter account and there's often discussion about the podcast and other areas related to paediatrics and uh, looking after children, young people and their families there. And in many ways, that is the true communities of practice that we were talking about earlier. That is where the discussion happens, the exchange of ideas, uh, and that is where the podcast can be uh, used as that springboard for change. I would also uh, hope that we can uh, make podcasts much more accessible uh, for our colleagues with uh, hearing problems or who are deaf, maybe with transcripts, for example. Uh, I think that would be uh, a good way uh, going forward uh, to make the uh, audio podcast much more accessible. And I would expect it uh, likely to make uh, more of an obvious appearance uh, in those continuing professional uh, development uh, plans by uh, the uh, curricula and uh, educationalists. And I know that uh, many rural colleges are putting out their own to support their own learning. They so, are, yeah. um, I think if it's not exploded already, I think there's going to be far more out there than mm-hmm. we already have. So I think we are possibly looking at an explosion and then a sort of convergence towards the idea of 15 to 30 minutes, more than one speaker, and a structured approach to probing certain topics and discussions. And definitely a greater degree of recognition of podcasts as something that is of value in medical education, if not something niche that people listen to on a run or during some form of household work. So yes, I think the uh, take-home messages have to be that there's certainly some evidence in the education literature that podcasts have a positive effect. It's clearly a modality that uh, people are using. And uh, by the very nature of their popularity and the number that are out there, people find a value. Uh, We don't believe that necessarily uh, they need accreditation in terms of points. uh, And it makes perfect educational sense to document uh, your learning and what you got out of a podcast in your own way. So I guess by way of uh, closing, uh, Adriel, what's your podcast plan for 2021? Have you got any New Year's podcast resolutions? So I have decided that I am going to listen to more A Greater Depth of Podcasts. But with medical education, I started to listen to a few more podcasts which deal with a more reflective approach to medicine. And I found that really helpful in a pandemic um, to process what's been going on, to process the, um, the fact that a lot of the things we now do are over the phone instead of face-to-face. And I'd like to continue with that. What about yourself, Ashley? So for me, I'm hoping 2021 obviously brings us a bit more calm. I'm certainly looking forward to continuing to contribute to the two Peds in a pod podcast and produce some material that helps us all look after children, young people and their families in the best way that we can.